from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. Oh, seizing York. It's a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong. I'm um, the bowels, I tell you, of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And today, on Tuesday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. I don't know. I'm still checking. Did Mick Jagger kick Harry Styles? Did uh, Oprah karate chop Ellen DeGeneres? Uh, no, apparently not. Let's go with Vladimir Zelensky and the brave Ukrainian people. Yeah, good one. You know. I took in a fair amount of punditry during the day yesterday about the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Yeah. And uh, decided our coverage was less than adequate. With the greater overarching societal issues at play. Mm, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk All about right. that more later, and you can decide whether or not it's pearl clutching or something we should actually be concerned about. Yes, I, I'm afraid I may have a contrary view. Cool. Oh, no. I hate it when daddy and daddy fight. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so what's the latest that you gather from the whole peace talks on the war? Does it seem real to you? Or is Russia just jerking everybody around again? It's definitely a different sort of jerking around than like last week's fake peace talks, if it's jerking around, because Russia is definitely interested in something other than uh, soaking up all of Ukraine and turning it into Russia West. So things have changed. Uh, To what extent, I couldn't tell you. I like the demand that uh, Ukraine speak the Russian language. And Zelensky said, no, we're not going to do that. And Russia was kind of like, oh, okay. Thought we'd ask. <laughs> I missed that one. What, Do what? tell. <laughs> that's that's the long and short of it. But wow. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> How about we blow up a few more of your tanks, you nitwits? Yeah, I love that. Love the. Oh, I've got a great thing from the Wall Street Journal today on uh, how they're using low tech, asymmetric insurgency style stuff to uh, to take on the Russians, and some of it's really interesting, and um. In a lot of ways, uh, while uh, I and others have been saying for years, you know, with modern technology, totalitarian regimes are going to have so much power uh, to be able to keep people down, you know, like they do in China and and whatnot. But on the other hand, there's also just all the technology that exists that's so damn cheap at the things you can do with it. See all the U.S. soldiers that got blown up by roadside bombs set off by cell phones, that sort of thing. Right. Right. And uh, Ukraine is really, really uh, doing the most with the least. And uh, that story, we'll get to that later. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, there's a a side story. A Seattle company is over in Poland training the Ukrainians to use their drones for surveillance and attacks and all sorts of good stuff. A lot of folks pitching in from around the world with comparatively low dollar technologies, like you say. Kind of scrappy, you could get it at Target Technologies. I just took a drink of my coffee, and there's something really chunky in there. What was that? That's disgusting. That's can't be good. I don't clean my coffee mug often, like never. Sometimes it gets so the only time the only time I ever clean my coffee mug is when it's the the goo has gotten so thick on the sides that just the amount of coffee I'm able to. Oh, it's a sick enough. You're only only getting like a thimble full of coffee because there's so much goo in there. Well, do you, like, rinse it out with hot water ever? Yeah, but um, 
I put a lot of cream in my coffee, and it, it congeals along the sides, oh. and you just can't rinse that out. you got to, like, really scrub, and who's got the time? Oh, yeah. Plus, I'm a travel mug, guys, you know, and the, the mechanism up in the top with the, the oh, catch yeah. and the release and the, the oh, hole, yeah. and now it gets all funky. I had to give up cream. Yeah, you're right. The mechanism in the top of a travel mug can really get some goo going there. Oh, yeah, you can't get it reamed out. There's no way to do it. If our old news guy, Marshall Phillips, was still here, he would do a story sometime on how dangerous that was and all the germs and fecal matter that is gathered in your coffee mug. Oh, so much fecal matter. <laughs> let's uh, let's start the show officially. And then I, uh, well, uh, let's start the show officially. I, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, March 29th, the year 2022. New you in 22. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin then officially according to FCC rules and regs at Mark. Oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, wow! Wow, indeed. The old hitch slap. <laughs> Even Kanye was like, you went on stage and did what in a workshop? Yeah, to that point, I absolutely cannot be talked off at this point. I don't know why I didn't feel this way at the time, but having heard discussions, it's clear to me, no way Will Smith should have been allowed to stay there in the theater. You have to kick him out of there. You absolutely have to kick him out of there. You punch somebody at a bar, at a mall, at a backyard barbecue. I don't care the setting. You got to leave. You have oh, yeah. to leave because there's no telling. That's a sign that you are like too drunk, too angry, too mentally ill, too whatever to be in society. And there's no telling. You don't know that he's going to end there. It turns out he did, but you have to make that guy go. And apparently the Academy had quite a meeting on whether or not to kick him out and decided not to because he might win Best Actor. But, no, you got to make that guy go. At the very least, I'm you know, don't charge him with a crime and all that sort of That's all crap. But um, you got to make him leave. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you can't stay here. It's a formal work occasion. Chris Rock was working, et cetera. You just assaulted him. You got to go. That right. much I absolutely yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah, he was doing something completely within the bounds of the job he was hired and actually paid to do. You can't walk up and hit a guy for that. And no, you got to go. Beautiful example of how uh, Hollywood is utterly, utterly the wrong people to be lecturing us about anything. Right, right. Yeah, and then the number of I was really interested in taking in the the uh, the commentary yesterday, and the number of prominent black men have said, "Whoa, dude, way to reinforce the worst stereotypes about us." Fantastic, definitely the the vast majority of people were anti Will Smith on this whole thing. Not well, Chris Rock shouldn't have said the joke. No, 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 you don't go and hit somebody. That's completely out of bounds. So, yeah, anyway, more there are a couple of people, notable people who've come up and said he did absolutely the right thing. A couple of black women I came across. But no, and, and uh, it was kind of a Rorschach, a Rorschach test, the coverage I saw on it. Uh, everybody had a cause or a uh, concern or a beef, and they tried to frame the discussion around that. But I agree. Yeah, at a formal work function, somebody slugs somebody else, they got to go. Yeah, and you don't have any ideas, you know, that person had too much to drink or whatever. You got to get out of there. Sorry, going home now. Not going to call the police. Not going to make a big deal out of it. Not going to end your career. But you got to go home now. Try it at your next mm. work function. Maybe the Christmas party if you have one this year. Uh, somebody says something you don't like. Go ahead and hit them. See if you could stay around. Maybe you will. Then you can go ahead and email us or text us, and we'll uh, talk about it the next day. After you, sm- well, Hollywood, of course. 
worshipped a rapist for years and years and years, gave him all sorts of awards, kissed his ass, everybody knowing what kind of monster he was. So, again, this is a minor, minor transgression. True. Uh, How does male bag look? Oh, excellent. Terrific. You'll love it. You're giving it the thumbs up? Mm, Two thumbs up. There you go. If I had a third thumb, by God. You only gave it one thumbs up, and I got to admit, I was a little... A little concerned, but now that both thumbs are up, everything seems to be fine. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, uh, asymmetrical warfare that the Ukrainians are geniusly launching and uh, the very latest and all the stories of the day on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. AOC has called for Justice Clarence Thomas to resign. Maybe we'll revisit that story. All right. Oh, did not uh, did not light a fire under one Joe Getty. All right. Hey, AOC has called for. Really, anything that comes after that is just... If it doesn't amuse me, it just doesn't do anything. All right. Darn it. <laughs> so much great stuff to get to today. Uh, some of it's going to sound a little clickbaity, but I promise you it's legit. For instance, your nightlight may slowly be killing you. Oh, wow. Now that's yeah. clickbait. Your nightlight may be slowly killing you. How about this one? Most recent job quitters, the great resignation... Have regrets. Now that's interesting. Yeah, I'm telling you. One more. One more. Uh, let me see if the what's my favorite one. Uh, uh, theft from the COVID relief plan was even worse than thought. Perhaps the greatest theft in history. That uh, surprises me. Not in the tiniest. If you start throwing around trillions of dollars fast, of course you're going to have the most fraud in U.S. history. Of course you are. And AOC has called for the execution of Ted Cruz. Ah, so stay with us. Yeah, right. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. <clears throat> Sticking with Winnie Churchill. This is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it helps if you're brilliant and a brilliant tactician like Churchill. I mean, if you're like a half-wit and you go with that, you'll probably end up just ruining your life. Mm. So, you know, uh, as the great uh, golf teacher Harvey Penick once said, I asked students to take two aspirin and they take the whole bottle you know so uh again sometimes honor and good sense dictate that you say okay that's fine we'll have it your way right exactly certainly if you're a married fella anyway other than that never give in here's your mailbag executive producer hansen and i were discussing before the show the wave of anger and hatred and bitter criticism uh, in recent days. Uh, you know, you get it on the text line, you get it on email, social media, that sort of thing. And it's it's a strange phenomenon. Um, 
people reaching out and lashing out at people they don't know over things they have to understand. But, you know, I've come to accept it. Maybe I don't it, take it personally. Maybe it fits in with the crime wave and uh, road rage increases and all the other stuff. Maybe people are just angrier coming out of the pandemic. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it's probably related in one way or another. But uh, Amy wrote us this note that I found interesting. Quick question. If you knew that your jobs would have involved social media when you began your careers, do you think you would do what you do? I wonder because of negativity you encounter since social media unleashed such unbridled hostility toward public figures, it has made it permissible to say reprehensible things to strangers. Hopefully you and your crew uh, look toward your ratings and know that most of us are simply grateful for your show. Well, Amy. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. That's we're, sweet. We're not nearly as damaged as maybe we sound or something like that. I don't know. You don't have to worry about it. But um, it is interesting what has become perfectly okay as mm-hmm. a as conversation. I mean, just... The vilest, most insulting of things are regularly tossed around in a way that they never were before. I'm going to tell and, everyone about how shitty you are. That's exactly. it. Oh, please. That was a mild one. Um, and and the, the, the vehemence of it over something that ultimately is only kind of half important. Yeah. Long before social media, I think people had done the thought experiment of, if, you know, if you could read other people's minds and that if you actually could, you'd, you know, you'd be miserable. Um, if you could actually read the, 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 the mind of your boss or your friends or your spouse or your kids or whatever, or your parents, you'd, you'd be miserable. Um, mm. Social media has kind of become that because people are just willing to say whatever they're thinking. And well, now and we a, get to know all the worst things everybody thinks about everyone else. Well, and it's a form of communication that on the sender's end is hasty. And then the sender never sees it received, really, unless the person answers back or something. And uh, so it's, I don't know, it's a very weird and, and uh, it's too distant. The, it allows people to become brutes. The generation that grows up, grow, is growing up with this will be different than those of us who had it sprung upon us, you know, fully mm. formed in life. Yeah. But in answer to your question, Amy, yeah, we'd absolutely still do this. Uh, we love doing this, and, and it's fine. I don't take it personally. As an amateur sociologist, um, I mostly find it interesting. I mean, kind of troubling in the same way that if you, like, uh, toured a war zone or a crime scene or or saw, you know, the misery of, like, multi-generational poverty, it, it makes me sad. But, no, I don't really take it personally. Uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of tough lines of work. Um, this is from uh, anonymous California teacher. Uh, this was obviously written Sunday, uh, but I held on to it. It's late Sunday night, and I can't sleep knowing I'm going into work tomorrow. I'm a junior high science teacher that's been teaching for 23 years. Listening to your Friday uh, show, blah, 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 I have a master's degree in educational technology integration. I've devoted my life to my profession. It's awful now. Students show up 20 minutes late to class every day with excused tardies from the office. Students are rude, disrespectful, sometimes mean, sometimes violent toward other students and myself. I've never had so many F's in my career, and it's my fault, I guess. I just heard that teacher, the teacher lose it, the teacher in North Carolina we played. I can totally see that happening. You're never going to get anyone to do this job. It's unbearable. Still, I've got a mortgage, a wife, and two kids to support. I don't know what to do. Listen to this. I found out recently I might be getting Kevlar sleeves for a biting student who's coming my way. I can't take anymore. It's just madness. What? I'm sorry. That sentence left me with questions. What's a biting student? Clearly a student with a history of biting people. 
So now the schools are handing out, well, because obviously you can't suspend a kid because uh, Lord knows if they're, you know, one sixteenth Eskimo or whatever in it, then you're a racist for suspending them. And so now they're handing out protective gear to teachers like they're hockey goalies. <laughs> um, it was quite a few years ago that there is that big study that there is a teacher shortage everywhere in America. Every income, every demographic you can imagine, rural city, everything. There was just a teacher shortage. That has clearly grown the number of dissatisfied teachers. We're, I was reading texts from uh, someone I know, uh, you know the other day, similar to the guy we just heard from of just, you wouldn't do this job for an hour if you had the chance. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to do this job in the future. It's hell. So what what is the plan for society? I guess it needs to completely fall apart, like you've been saying, so we can start over. There was a big uh, poll of teachers. I remember we talked about a fair amount. It feels like two, three years ago, which probably means it was five. But um, they were asking how many teachers are planning to leave the profession. It was quite a few, and they asked why. And pay was the third, yeah. the third place behind uh, lack of support to uh, student behavior, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's terrible. It's an epidemic. The amount of paperwork and bureaucracy, I remember, was a big part oh, yeah. of it. Mm. Um, a number of things to get to. New poll out on what are the biggest voting issues in America. And uh, number one is not a surprise at all. People's attitudes toward the war and a bunch of different stuff. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, there are no civilians on this beach. Normally, it would be packed with people. But the Russians have blockaded the Odessa port. So we're not seeing any cargo ships coming in, nothing coming in or going out. If there is an attack on this strategic port, it's going to come from out there. According to the U.S., a couple dozen Russian warships remain off the coast. One of the highest-ranking Ukrainian naval officers on shore, Vladislav Nazarov, says they move in and out, psychological warfare. We will kill them, drown them, he says. They have no options. So you don't think they can take Odessa? We will sink them, and it will be fish-feeding season, he says, and our fish will grow fat. There you go. Whoa. Those Ukrainians are some tough bastards. Tell you that. They know their way around a threat. <laughs> we will kill them in the sea and our fish will grow fat. <laughs> well, how about that old gal who who put uh, flower seeds in a guy's pocket? Yeah, that was so from something like, pleasant will grow when we plant you or something. Yeah, that was from like day one, the sunflower seeds. Here, put yeah. these in your pocket so when you're, your dead body, something will grow from where you fall. Wow. That's fantastic. Thanks, Granny. <laughs> What are some of the current attitudes toward the war? 70% of American voters want more punitive measures against Russia. This is from a Harvard-Harris poll, which is a pretty respectable organization. Oh, before you go any further, you might want to put some sunflower seeds in your own pocket because your nightlight might slowly be killing you. Wow, you usually don't work this uh, this beat. Well, I've decided to prostitute myself, frankly. You scare people to death beat. It's the go-go 21st century. Clickbait to rules. The stay tuned or you're going to die from (laughs) sunscreen or soda or, in this case, nightlights. Oh, all of the above, definitely. 70% of voters overall said harsher punishments should be imposed on Russia. 
while 76% said the U.S. and NATO should send missile defense systems to Ukraine, and 71% said they should send Kiev military aircraft. As far as the no-fly zone, 57% of Americans said the U.S. and NATO should impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine to try to halt the Russian air assault. Um, only 53% of voters oppose the U.S. and NATO sending troops to Ukraine. That's the current feeling in America. Wow, the war drums are sounding. So 47 to 53 No, but that's damn near 50-50, and obviously if the president was making the argument, he'd get a few more percentages on his side. So Mm -hmm. the the ground is fertile if the president wanted to send troops to Ukraine. I don't think he does, and I don't think we're going to, and I don't think we should, but um, it it wouldn't be a tough sell based on this poll. Well, and and what if uh, Putin were to miscalculate or there were some terrible accident where a missile went awry and, God forbid, took out uh, some of our troops in Poland? Something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to interpret that. Maybe it's just uh, it's it's just good that Americans, when they see kids being killed on TV, when they see hospitals being bombed, they're willing to put, you know, the blood and treasure of our great democracy uh, to try to stop that. Which might be uh, a noble thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's youth. Uh, it's useful to uh, then ask the question: Would you be willing for your family member to go over and fight as well? I was a no, and before the whole thing started, I kept saying no. Like my brother was still active, I wouldn't want him going over there. Now I know he would be. I haven't asked him this, but I'd be shocked if he wouldn't gleefully go there with the opportunity to shoot some of these Russian bastards who are part of murdering children. Um, and uh, and he'd have no problem with it. I'd be my guess that a lot of our service people who have fought bad guys in various parts of the world would be happy to take on these people. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Wall Street Journal with an interesting article about the asymmetrical nature of modern warfare, um, just in general and particularly around the Ukrainians. The Times of London reported that Ukraine is using $2,000 commercial octocopter drones that you can buy from you know best buy places like that sell these they modify them with thermal imagers and anti-tank grenades to find and attack russian tanks hiding between homes and villages at night ukraine has got and i can't pronounce this word an aerial reconnaissance team that has 50 squads 50 squads of drone pilots who all they need is a solid internet connection to operate these drones, and so Russia thinks they can hide their tanks in the dark between buildings, and the Ukrainians fly these drones around with the thermal imaging, can find them and blow them up. That's why there are hundreds of dead Russian tanks spread around the country. Wow. When the internet was cut off back in the Syrian war in 2013, enterprising techies there that were part of the insurgency set up point-to-point Wi-Fi connections to bring Internet across the border from Turkey. They did this with Pringles potato chip cans and $50 off-the-shelf Wi-Fi routers. Wow. Uh, To give you an idea of what can be done, Ukrainians were spared this ad hoc setup because Elon Musk flew in his Starlink system and has donated thousands of satellites to, uh, to try to keep their their Internet going. And I don't suppose they explain exactly what role the Pringles cans played, do they? Not in detail, no. I'm sure you can find that online. I mean, I assume that you could talk through them like this to your friends. 
Or maybe just a delicious snack while you're working on the project. <laughs> Ukraine also has effectively jammed Russia's long-in-the-tooth wireless military communication technology, which apparently uses a single-frequency channel to operate. Man, that's old school. That's like 1930s old school. Former CIA director David Petraeus told CNN that Russians were then forced to use cell phones to communicate to communicate until Ukraine then blocked the plus seven country code for Russia so they couldn't make phone calls anymore in the country. I mean, this is, you know, some low-tech stuff and eventually took down... I'm sorry, your call cannot be completed. Please try again. Oh, crapski! <laughs> and eventually took down the 3G services that Russia was using for secure connections. Russian soldiers were forced to steal Ukrainian cell phones to communicate with one another... Which, as it says in the Wall Street Journal, is no way to fight a war. <laughs> wow. You know, petty theft. Y- Ukraine has also taken advantage of crowdsourcing. The journal told the story of Russian tanks that would fire on one city and then back up to avoid return fire. Civilians and territorial defense volunteers would then message the tanks new coordinates via social messaging apps so that Ukraine could attack them with their various anti-tank weapons. Wow, wow, wow. So every citizen is a scout equipped with GPS uh, locators. Right. Ukraine has been using facial recognition technology. I don't know how they got this or how they're spreading it around, but to identify killed and captured Russian soldiers, even contacting their families and posting their photos in Telegram channels, which is a um, a messaging app. Um, Twitter is now using a service to disguise its origin and restore service to Russian users. So when Russia tricks down Twitter. They come up with a way to hide what they are and where they're coming from to get it back up and running. Uh, Most surprisingly, it says here in the Wall Street Journal, after much hype and many warnings, Russian cyber warfare has been deemed fairly ineffective. Hours before the invasion, someone, presumably the Russians, launched a Trojan attack disk wiping malware that hit Ukrainian government and financial system computers and took down Parliament's website. Disk wiping? Like with a cloth? Good one. Um, a cyber attack um, 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 outfit that you know works on defense of this sort of stuff called the attack modest. A Ukrainian newspaper then released a file with details on 120,000 Russian soldiers, including their names, addresses, phone numbers, and passport numbers that they had gathered from the attack somehow. Um, where the information came from or how it was gathered is not exactly known, but they immediately unleashed all these Russian soldiers' personal information. To Ukrainians and Russians in an attempt just to, I don't know, damage them, frighten them or whatever. And here's one more thing that I thought was interesting. Ukraine is filled with smart coders. And the government has said that's coders, people who code. Um, And the government has set up an IT Army of Ukraine channel to coordinate digital attacks on Russian military digital systems. As many as 400,000 Ukrainians have volunteered so far. An officer of the Ukraine State Service of Special Communications said they were engaged in cyber resistance. This digital flash mob has taken down Russian websites, though uh, we will never know the the, 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 the the amount of damage until the war is over. But uh, Wall Street Journal calls it high. So they have a very, very strong and robust cyber defense program that is volunteer. And they had a lot of good people there, and they're all working for the government now. That, that's interesting stuff. The ability of regular people to mobilize now and, 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 and fight off modern attacks, it's, it's something. Right, especially if you're enduring the, uh, the utter nightmare that America hasn't for hundreds of years of being attacked on your homeland. 
of having your homeland overrun. And then you see the true resourcefulness and energy of your people uh, rise to the surface. Although I'm, I'm reminded in, in taking a look and thinking about modern warfare of some quotes I saved from the 100-Year Marathon, which is Michael Pillsbury's fabulous book about China and the way China looks at warfare in the 21st century. And I think we need to get hip to it. Um, America saw conflict only through the lens of military means instead of the broader and strategic picture encouraged by ancient Chinese thinkers such as Sun Tzu, which emphasized intelligence, economics, law. I'll skip ahead. The battlefield is next to you and the enemy is on the network and there is no smell of gunpowder powder or the odor of blood. Obviously, warfare is in the process of transcending the domains of soldiers, military units and military affairs. And it is increasingly a matter of for politicians, for scientists even bankers Hmm. so that is modern warfare and and every citizen who wants to help is a soldier yes michael i'm just shocked how inept uh russia's military communications is in 2022 yeah i think uh putin is uh, shocked also but it gets to the whole communist system where people steal so you know there's probably money that was uh, scheduled to modernize for instance, their cyber stuff, but it was stolen by people who steal in the communist system, and everybody lies to those above them. And... Right, and I understand they're not running a communist system now, but they come from a communist system, and a lot of it's intact. A lot of the uh, patterns of influence and power are intact from the Soviet days. So, yeah. Uh, I will tell you this. The Nightlight story oh, has boy. really got my attention. You survive all the other problems of the world. Why, the, the covid Russia, China, Will Smith slapping you. Now you got to worry about your nightlight. Your humble nightlight. Really interesting study about sleep. This this is changing the way I live. What? Yes. Man, and you're not one for a hyperbole. Certainly not. Mr. Slow and Steady, they call me. <laughs> Especially the slow part. <laughs> steady sometimes. <laughs> but slow, by God, you can count on. So we'll get that next. Next, absolutely. Among other things, stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Academy seriously discussed having Will Smith removed from the theater, but instead uh, they decided to let him give the longest best actor speech in history. <laughs> Which, of course, it was the longest best actor speech in history. They were going to play him off. You to beat the crap out of everybody in the band. <laughs> yeah, wow. the, the fact that they let him stay. The more I think about it, is just incredible. And then moments later, he gets to go up there and give a ridiculously long, self-indulgent speech to a standing ovation. What the hell? Anyway, yeah. uh, there were a lot of jokes, as you would expect, from the late-night comedians around the whole Will Smith thing. So we'll do a late-night joke-off in hour two and uh, and some of the fallout from the whole thing. Excellent. Looking forward to it. So uh, this is something... I like the way this article uh, it begins. Think stress is causing your heart to race? There may be another culprit, your nightlight. 
even a small amount of ambient light from like a TV or bright exterior lights that filter in your windows when you're sleeping at night can negatively impact your health, according to a new study published in the Journal of the Proceedings of the National Academy of the Sciences. I like it to night be, after night. I like right. it to be dark when I sleep. You know, eh, I'm going to have to uh, have a little uh, apology, a little mea culpa to, to my wife. Uh, she is a fanatic about it being dark to the point that we have one of those uh, like uh, modern thermostats in our room mm-hmm. that's digital and all, and it glows. Interesting. And, and she that's was, too much. Well, yeah, and she was, uh, you know, hammering me to figure out how to turn down the, the lighting on it, and I finally did, but she says it's still too light, so maybe I'll hang a handkerchief or something over it, but... Yeah, I'd rather it was dark, but if there is some light, uh, what am I going to do? Get up and deal with it? I'll just turn my head. Certainly. Put the pillow over your head. Anyway, uh, f- uh, this is a quote from Phyllis Z, Chief of Sleep Medicine at Northwest University, Feinberg School of Medicine, co-author of the study, quote, The results from this study demonstrate that just a single night of exposure to moderate room lighting during sleep can impair glucose and cardiovascular regulation, which are risk factors for heart disease, diabetes, and metabolic syndrome. That means being a fat boy. The researchers monitored patients who slept slept in moderately lit rooms and dimly lit rooms over the course of one night and assessed how their bodies adjusted throughout the night and into the next day. The study participants who slept in rooms with a moderate amount of light went into a heightened state called sympathetic activation. They weren't truly deeply asleep. So how does that happen? It's the light that's the, the 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 tiny bit of light that gets through your eyelids because unless a light's pretty bright and you're facing it, I don't even I wouldn't even know if there was a night light in my room when my eyes are closed. Yeah, I think night light might overstate the uh the premise here. It would have to be a fairly bright night light and you'd have to be looking at it with your eyes closed mm-hmm. obviously, but um they're just talking about a significant amount of light. Okay. But this is this is interesting. The autonomic nervous system which regulates things like heart rate, pupil dilation, body temperature, digestion can be split into two categories. The sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. During the day, the sympathetic nervous system regulates different functions that help the body prepare for activity, governs our body's response to stress. At night, the parasympathetic nervous system helps the body rest, digest, and recuperate. The added light triggered participants' sympathetic nervous system, which should have been inactive, and kicked it into overdrive. Over the course of the night, the participants experienced elevated heart rates and a spike in how forcefully the heart contracts. What's more? Or, as you might say in your high school report, moreover, the next morning, the participants showed signs of insulin resistance, meaning the cells in their muscles and fat began to reject insulin and weren't able to properly process glucose to make energy. Over time, the spike in insulin resistance could lead the pancreas to produce more insulins, insulin, not insulins, <laughs> eventually leading to higher blood sugar levels and even type 2 diabetes, they say. Preliminary studies don't leap to any conclusions, but they definitely say. <laughs> and, if certain... I, and if I leapt to conclusions and turned off the light when I slept, what sort of damage would be done? Please well, don't I... leap to any conclusions. Well, no, I, I would go ahead and leap to that conclusion. I mean, I, I just was going to say, if, if like there's a streetlight outside your home, you're not definitely screaming at 100 miles per hour toward type 2 diabetes. Oh, I think this is the root of all my problems. All the problems I've ever had is too much light in my room at night. What's well, the it, deal? it with, could be the root of some of them. If this is true, um, what's the deal with hospitals? Having just spent a week in the hospital not oh. that long ago, it's definitely not dark in your room at the hospital. No. 
No. I think uh, the deal with hospitals is that they have a terrible uh, way of, of helping you rest. Now get some rest, they say, and then make it impossible. And having had some experience with psych hospitals in the last couple of years, definitely not dark in those rooms. So way to make crazy people crazier. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of tips. Blackout curtains are cheaper. I mask. Uh, rearrange your furniture so your bed doesn't face a light source. Turn I, off the TV. I don't know why I've never gotten into the eye mask. The couple of times I've tried it, it's been awesome. I used to use that for naps a lot. Now I just throw the pillow over my head. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, opt for motion-activated nightlights if you have them at all. Select red and orange-hued lighting over white and blue-hued lighting. It's not hard to imagine that. Hundreds of thousands of years of evolution in which we slept when it was just completely black as the inside of a dog, as Hemingway would say, in terms of dark outside. Um, uh, that, uh, yeah, the, having some light in the room is a completely modern thing. Yeah, and, and the third thing they say is if there is a nightlight, just make sure it's not directly visible from the bed. Hmm. There you go. So there you go. How about that? This this could be huge one one change in the last what 250 years maybe 300 years it used to be dark at night dark 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 yeah and now we live in cities and towns and street lights and the rest mm, i might i might have to convince one of my sons who has a light on in the night uh, to the, let's try it with the light off see if that does anything for us sleep better give him a flashlight maybe that'd help um some more fallout from the whole will smith thing is this a big deal or not and uh, also a poll that just came out on top voting issues as uh, November is getting closer in terms of another election. God, there's too many elections. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.